Welcome to the Tennis Talk Podcast with Matt Brown and David Mostert, powered by Newstalk ZB. Welcome into another edition of Tennis Talk. We are at episode number 29. Matt Brown alongside Dave Mustard, former tennis uh, Davis Cup player for New Zealand, the coach at the Hearn Bay Ponsonby Rackets Club. Dave, I know you've been doing a lot of coaching during the day, but I would imagine, like me, you've watched a fair bit of tennis either early morning or late at night because the Madrid Masters was certainly, uh, I thought, pretty spectacular. Uh, And we will talk a little bit about him, of course, Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, He'll be... The main feature of the podcast, we'll catch up with the commentator for Amazon Prime, well-known to New Zealand listeners, of course, or viewers at the ASP Classic, Robbie Koenig. But Dave, uh, I'd imagine you uh, would have uh, spent a few late nights uh, watching some of this because uh, there was some terrific tennis uh, right throughout that tournament. Yeah, I, I, I kind of turned on at different, at different times and, and watched a lot of the replays, which were good as well. But I, I'm just I'm just flabbergasted by the, the quality of the tennis and, you know, um, you know, Madrid is, is altitude, which is, it doesn't make it easy for fitness wise. And also it's, I guess it's even for all players, but fitness wise, and also to control the ball with a lot more spin. Um, but to be honest, you know, just the, just the standard I found was quite extraordinary. And, um, yeah, it was incredible that Al- Alcaraz, uh, has come through, you know, such tough matches with, with Norrie, Nadal, Djokovic, all in order. Then Zverev gave him a bit of a hiding in the final. Um, and I'm sure I shouldn't really say it like that, but but he he, he almost gave him a lesson in the final. Um, and to be able to come up after three incredibly tough matches, um, you know, and get to the final and then play at that level, it's like it's like he has nerves of steel. He has a, he has a game that uh, really is... is doesn't really have a lot of weaknesses, but his determination is amazing. His mental aptitude is incredible. Dave, it was really interesting. If you looked at that quarterfinal lineup um, in Madrid, uh, the players that you know you see there at the business end, the likes of uh, Djokovic, uh, Nadal, you know Alcaraz, as we mentioned, Rublev, Tsitsipas, um, Zverev. They're the sorts of names, really, you could see, I think, the winner of Roland Garros probably uh, coming from one of them. Uh, they're all approaching some really good form. Yeah, I, I, I just, just, I'm just a little bit, uh, you know, at loss for words on, on so many players are playing so well now that who can actually, who can actually come through. And if you look on purely on form, you know, Tsitsipas is up there on form. Djokovic is a bit match short at the moment. Um, you know, he's probably probably about a six or seven out of ten on where his level wants to be. Um, he'll be he'll be as he gets more matches, which he's which he's starting to do. Um, and then you've got you know, you've got uh, Sitsapas, as I mentioned. You've got Zverev. You've got uh, Sinner. Interesting enough, lost to Olga uh, Alassim. You know, it's two and one in this tournament. I'm um, on clay. So, but there's a lot of players. I mean, you know, you know, how's Medvedev going to do when he comes back? Berrettini, uh, Shepovalov, Rude has been playing very, very well. You know, Karina Busta. There, there are so many Ahukic. You know, uh, there's so many players that can do well now and push to the later stages of a tournament. By contrast, of course, the uh, women's draw, well, it threw up so many surprises. On Jabir, uh, winning her first WTA 1000 title, 7-5, love 6, 6-2, the eighth seed, beating Jessica Pagula in the final, the 12th seed, 
And really, Javu was the only player in the top uh, 10 at the latter stages of the tournament. Uh, there were just so many upsets in the early rounds. You know, the likes of Maria Sakari and Gabina Muguruza beaten, you know, first round. Uh, Danielle Collins, uh, Karolina Pliskova going out early. Uh, it really was. Anya Arena uh, Sabalenka as well, the third seed. It really was a tournament of upsets. Uh, Paula Bedosa. And uh, really, uh, you know, I look at it as the French Open once again in the women's draw being uh, quite wide open. I think, I think it makes it very, very exciting that you've got some, uh, some different players coming through. Uh, which shows you how even they are. I mean, I mean, I was just looking. You know, the Osaka lost what second round, um, and she got a drubbing three and one by Soribes uh, Tomo from from Spain. So, you know, there's a lot of players. Kanepi, you know, she, she lost early on. You know, she's a good player. I see Andrescu. You know, she was trying to hit her straps, um, didn't quite get through. But there again, Halep, Halep, um, you know, lost to Jabir six three six two in the second. In the quarterfinals, so I think I think again I, I'm always stressing this: the games are more complete when you have self belief, because so many of them can perform very well on their day, but it's top the top two inches, and um, and a lot of players are believing in themselves more and more. A lot of them tend to have mental coaches, I understand as well now. Um, I wish we had it in our day, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, just uh, also, just to mention now, uh, the Kiwis, uh, Michael Venus, he made it through to the semi finals playing with. Uh, Jamie Murray for the second straight week, semi-finalist in Estoril in the doubles and now semi-finalist in Madrid, losing to the eventual runners-up, uh, Cabal and Farah, the fifth seed. Um, they lost the final to Skupski and Kulhoff in the doubles. Uh, they move on to play in Italy and Rome together where they are the sixth seeds. Uh, all accounts, Tim Putz or Putz will be back for the tournament, uh, possibly Geneva, but certainly Roland Garros to play with Michael Venus. Second round loss for Erin Routliff uh, and Alicia Rosowska uh, in uh, Madrid. They also play in Rome this coming week and uh, they've got a pretty tough uh, first round doubles draw as well. I don't have that right in front of me or do I? Um, but no, I don't. But um, they do have a tough uh, doubles draw. Okay, let's hear the thoughts from Robbie Koenig, the South African, of course, commentator for Amazon Prime uh, in the UK. Uh, he watched pretty much all the matches that Carlos Alcaraz played in Madrid. These are his thoughts. This is Tennis Talk. We're joined on Tennis Talk by a commentator who is uh, well-known in these parts uh, in New Zealand, of course, Robbie Koenig, who has been the voice of the ASB Classic in Auckland for many years, and let's hope he's back down under this coming summer. Robbie works for Amazon Prime in the UK, uh, commentating all the Masters 1000 tournaments. And Robbie, I know you saw a lot of Carlos Alcaraz or Alcaraz <laughs> over the weekend. Uh, what a phenomenal performance, first of all, to beat the likes. I mean, let's face it, he beat Cam Norrie in a tough match first and then he goes on and beats uh, Rafa and Novak back-to-back -back, and then absolutely thrashes uh, Alexander Zverev in the final to win you know, his second Masters 1000 title um, out of the three that have been staged in recent times. So just a phenomenal uh, achievement, and this guy's going places big time and fast, isn't he? He certainly is, uh, Matt. Um, he is a proper player, and you know this week he got incrementally better. Madrid is always a tough event because of the altitude, and if you can just stick around long enough, normally by quarterfinals you've actually got used to the conditions, and that's what happened. You mentioned the Nori match; I did that. 
49 unforced errors from Alcaraz, but he still managed to find a way to navigate past Norrie. And then, of course, stepped it up against Rafa, stepped it up one step further against Novak, which I thought um, uh, might be a stumbling block for him, uh, given that Novak relishes taking on these young guys. Uh, I still think Novak is only 7 out of 10 in that match, so plenty to come from Djokovic, given everything that's happened. And then um, the way he performed in the finals, I think he did have the benefit of, of playing the earlier semi-match, so that played into his hands with Zverev finishing so late on Saturday evening into the early hours of Sunday morning. Um, but uh, when he showed up in the finals, people want to understand how good this kid is. I'll tell you, every ATP Tour final that he's played in, he's won. When it goes to a deciding set tiebreaker, as we saw against Djokovic, throughout the entirety of his career, including futures and challenges, he's 10-1. and one. He's only ever lost one deciding set tiebreaker. That was earlier this year in Australia when he lost to Matteo Berrettini. And Berrettini had to, to, to produce a Hail Mary of a tiebreaker to get the better of him. That's how clutch this young man is. There, there's so many aspects to him that are good. His skill set, Matt, is so complete. I think that's what boggles the mind at this age. You know, I remember a young Roger Federer having a great skill set when he beat Sampras, but it took him still another two years before he won Wimbledon. Everybody forgets that. He came back the following year, lost to Mario Antic first round, and then only won Wimbledon a year later. It took Federer a while to put all the pieces together. This guy seems to have got it sorted out already. Okay, well, in terms of best of five, because that's the key in Grand Slams, as we know, you look at the guy he beat in the final, has had some phenomenal success too at Masters 1000 level, but apart from that, you know, US Open final hasn't really delivered big time in the Grand Slams as yet. Uh, Do you see success at Grand Slam level coming sooner rather than later for Alcaraz? Uh, Do you think he's got everything like you mentioned I mean you know let's face it in clutch best of three set matches he's winning those tiebreakers uh, can he can that form transcend to the best of five say at Roland Garros yeah I think it can um, if memory serves he was I think he went deep at the US Open last year didn't he um, but for me he is physically already mature yeah I was speaking to his um, to his uh, physical trainer and he, he said, Robbie, the body's there. I, I don't have to do anything more. I remember when Jez Green was working with Sasha Zverev, he had a five-year plan to add more weight to the legs, bulk him up in that department, make the body more robust. 15 kilograms he wanted to add over the five years. Whereas I already think athletically he is, is the finished article. And, you know, that's it's all about maintaining and good maintenance as far as Alcaraz is concerned. Uh, again, probably the biggest difference I see between him and, and some of the other young pretenders is how strong he is mentally. But Matt, this kid between the ears is fearless. He does not get tight. And again, testimony to winning those third set tiebreakers, testimony to winning every final that he's played and on tour so far. Guys just don't do that. His record against top five opposition is insane. That all points to how good he is. This entire skill set, how well he hits a tennis ball, that's what gives me belief that he'll do well at the majors is how strong he is mentally. And we've already seen him play a couple of long matches back-to-back. We saw him do it with Nadal. Well, Norrie, Nadal, 
Djokovic, right? A lot of tough matches. Then he comes out in the final and we think, okay, maybe he's going to be a bit jaded. No, he duffs up Zverev. What about Barcelona? When he had to play the semis and the final on the same day, I think he went three hours, 39 minutes with Alex Dimonor in the morning. And everybody thought, oh, well, he's, you know, he's going to be done and dusted in the finals against Karina Busta. No, it gives, it gives him a shellacking as well in straight sets. No signs of fatigue. Um, I think this guy is cut from a different cloth, man. So, I mean, I guess with that in mind, I mean, yes, there's Rome this week and, and then Roland Garros. Uh, the, the whole changing of the guard talk, I mean, it's been an incredible era that we've both witnessed over the last two decades. Uh, but, you know, this guy clearly seems to be the genuine contender too. Novak's crown, let's face it, um, Rafa still going to be a strong contender. No doubt these guys will be forces to reckon it, be reckoned with Roland Garros. But um, are we finally going to see in 2022, do you think, you know, the emergence of someone to genuinely challenge you know I, I say those two Roger of course not playing Roger Federer uh, but uh, do we do do you think this is the year sure um, I don't think he's going to beat Novak on a hard court he's not going to beat Novak on a grass court so I think if he's going to do it it's going to have to be at the French Open I mean listen actually I shouldn't say on a hard court I, I'm wondering if Carlos doesn't play his best tennis on a hard court given how well he played at um Miami. It's uh, Indian Wells. In my, yeah, Indian um, Wells excuse me, Miami. Miami yeah. um, but um, Djokovic on a hard court is a different animal altogether. I thought, you've also got to remember this week, the clay in Madrid, um, it plays so differently because of the altitude. Now, he's not going to have that luxury when he plays on the hard courts for for the entire uh, summer in the US. That's not going to be the case. Um, and I think Novak's experience on a hard court uh, it's different gravy. Like I say, I still think Novak should have won yesterday in straight sets. Um, he had so many opportunities. He is so undercooked with matches because of everything that's happened post-Australian Open. And, um, and that's affected him, I think, more than all of us thought. So I tell you, Novak is not going anywhere soon. I think Alcaraz might have Nadal's number on a hard court. We saw him come so close in Indian Wells to beating him. Um, had so many chances there. So I think a uh, much easier proposition, but uh, I don't know what he's like on grass. I haven't seen enough of him on that surface. And right now on hard, um, if Novak has a normal schedule, Matt, between now and the US Open, um, I think Djokovic is still very hard to beat. He's my favorite playing uh, Alcaraz uh, seven times, eight times out of 10. So I think Carlos's best opportunity might be on the clay at Roland Garros. Great stuff, Robbie Koenig. I really appreciate your time on Tennis Talker. Go well, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show, Matt. You're a legend, mate. Tennis Talk with Matt Brown and David Mustard. Interesting there, Dave, what Robbie was saying that, yeah, Roland Garros might just about be the best chance this year because he really senses that Novak Djokovic, if he can play a full schedule, and of course no guarantee he'll be let into the US for that US Open swing, being an unvaccinated player, although things may have moved on and changed by uh, the time August, September rolls around, but he does feel that Djokovic being a sort of a 7 out of 10, you know, has a lot more to improve and will get better and better with the more matches he plays and will still be the favourite for Wimbledon, of course, on the grass and the U.S. Open. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree that uh, Djokovic is short of match play, and and you know it will be the favourite very much on on hard courts. But there's a lot of other players that can push him on hard courts as well. And remember, Alcaraz, you know, he won Miami, which was on hard courts. 
Um, you know, so so he can play on pretty much all surfaces. It's pretty. We already haven't seen a lot of him on grass, of course. So it'll be interesting to see how he does in the grass league. Um, but overall, I mean, look again. Again, there are so many players that that are knocking on the door. I mean, Norrie's, Norrie's pushing. I mean, there's no reason why Norrie can't go deep into a slam now. Um, you know, and that's perhaps seems like a big call, but but he can. Well, he's and top course, ten. Hang on, he's top ten in the world, isn't he? So, well, there or thereabouts, yeah, ten so, or eleven. So, you so know, you've got to there, suggest he's that. There or thereabouts. He's there or thereabouts. So, you know, they all have self belief. As I'm always going on about, it's really about. You know, there's a little bit of luck involved too. But they say this luck goes with the strongest battalion. I guess if you've done the hard work and you've done the, done you know, done what you need to do to to get where you're at, I guess things change around sometimes in the luck department. But there are so many players now that are coming through. I think it's a very, very exciting time in tennis. All right, so it's Rome this week. Of course, the tournament underway. Just looking at the draw and the potential matchups. You know, Djokovic could play Nadal in the quarterfinals. Nadal being uh, the third seed. Jok- in fact, how can that be? No, be semi-finals. In fact, in that top half of the draw. So uh, that would be certainly um, no. In fact, actually, just looking at the draw. No, I don't know how that works, but he's gonna. Yeah, could play him in the uh, quarterfinals. So those two could meet in the quarters, if I'm not mistaken. Now, in fact, it'll be the semifinals. I was looking at the <laughs> the wrong draw, but yeah. So semifinals. Um, be interesting to see. I think Rafa will get better and better on the clay. You know, he's only had, let's face it, the one tournament um, really in Madrid. Uh, Djokovic too, with match play, will be better. Bottom half of the draw, Alcaraz. Um, you know, I'd expect him to continue. Um, he's fearless, as uh, as Robbie said, and, and he's super. Supremely fit. I think the physicality is a key part of his game, uh, and he'll be primed for best of five set tennis. Yeah, look, look I, I agree. I was just just looking also at that draw in Rome. You know, good Hukic is playing Goffin, and Goffin, uh, what he had four match points on Nadal in this in Madrid tournament. Goffin's sort of starting to make a bit of a comeback. Um, you know, quarter's always pretty good. I'm looking there. Um, TFO, he's been playing very, very well lately. Uh, Dominic Team plays Fognini first round. That's a tough first rounder on the clay, um, especially with a hometown favourite with Fognini. So, yes, there are a lot of very, very good players. Dimitrov's been playing well of late as well. And, um, you know, if he wins his match, he's going to play Sitsipas second round. So um, quite some interesting matchups. So it's... Uh, it's going to be an interesting one and probably not going to get a lot of sleep again, to be honest. This is Coach's Corner with David Mustard. All the tips and tricks you need to improve your tennis game. Dave, um, you're not going to get much sleep, but what you can get is and give us, I guess, is a, is a coach's tip. It's time for Coach's Corner. Uh, all those players heading along to the drills at the Hearn Bay Ponsonby Rackets Club tonight. Uh, and, of course, anywhere else where they might be doing drills um, around the country, around the world. Uh, what have you got for us this week? Oh, just a couple of things. I was just thinking one, one very simple one. When you're actually doing a tennis match, you have to spin a racket or a coin, or whatever you do to decide what happens to start your match. So the choices you have, there's four choices that you have. You can serve. If you win the toss, you can serve. You can receive, choose to receive. You can choose an end, or you can choose to defer. So you can ask your opponent um, to make a decision. So, And then what happens is then you relate to whatever they decide, you can take the opposite. So there are four decisions you can make on that. But one of the ones I really want to talk about was the ball toss. Uh, for your serve. And it's really interesting because I was always told, and it is correct, a gentleman like Federer always tends to have the same ball toss and he can hit his flat serve, his slice serve, and his topspin serve from the same 
ball toss, which is not easy to do, which shows you incredible what uh, what his racket work is like. So if you want to do a flat serve, generally the ball should be inside the court between your head and your shoulders forward of you for a flat serve. A slice serve, same as the flat and the angle where you hit the ball is very important on the ball. So how your racket head leads to, leading edge towards the ball creates the spin. On the top spin serve, it's slightly behind the back or slightly over your head so you can come across as sharply um, more upward momentum on the ball to create a more of a heavy spin. So when it hits the ball, hits the court, it kicks off in different directions or kicks up to make it harder for the server to return of its shoulder height. So Federer really hides his serve behind the same ball toss, which is quite unique. Not everybody can do that. But in the end, you've got to practice your ball toss, a good, nice height driving up on the ball, and you've got to find your own rhythm. Practice your serve, folks. It is something that can really help you win matches a lot more and more. I'll replay this one in my head time and time again, because as you know, uh, my serve is my weakness. So that's something I've got to work on. Dave Mustard, as always, thanks heaps for your time this week uh, on Tennis Talk. We're back. Do it again to wrap up. The uh, Rome Masters, the Italian, the Forto Italico, one of the great venues in world tennis. Uh, next week, episode 30 of Tennis Talk.